Uh, it's like forever since I've been up here, but I was, uh, I've been very busy with the Lord. Uh, things have changed, I think, in a, in a big, profound way for quite a while. Actually, I think uh, Lake City 2017 marked a change that we will never go back to. Uh, I think it changes from here forward. Turn with me, if you would, to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus 19 was a scripture that the Lord directed me to read over you uh, in 2017 at Lake City. And what he was doing, it took a while for me to see it, but uh, it, it was amazing that God had been setting this up for quite a while. And, uh, and that's the way God is. He sets things up, and, uh, and then he'll spring it on you, usually really good stuff. And because uh, God likes surprises, He likes to surprise you with good stuff. And what's your reaction? Uh, it's it's one of His uh, personality traits. You know, God has a personality, and uh, uh, He's interesting. Uh, he's good, by the way. You know, He can count that as a part of His personality. But the way He likes to surprise us is one of His better traits, I think. You know, He He loves to to do something good for us and watch us react. Kind of like you are, you know, with your kids, uh, when you do something that they're not expecting and uh, watch them respond to that. That's one of the joys of life is to watch them rejoice. God did this at Lake City for us, and uh, uh, and I think that it marked the end of a chronos period of time, a 40-year period, and the opening of another, what I would call the last chronos or the last 40-year or so period. Uh, which will bring in the return of Jesus Christ. It probably won't last 40 years because Jesus himself talked about it in Matthew 24. He said, unless those days be shortened, no flesh would be saved. So there's going to be some challenging times ahead of us. I think he's preparing us for those times and, uh, and getting us ready to do what we must do. You are actually a chosen generation. Uh, you're special in the sense that you were chosen to live on this earth at such an important time. I mean, you should really think about that. Why you? You could have lived 300 years ago. Some of you would have done better in those days. I mean, really, you would have done a lot better. <laughs> Liberty has not done well with you. <laughs> but anyway, here we are. We're chosen for this time. Now, to that point, there is... Uh, God's heart is such is that the things he has for his people, he wants for all of his people. But here's a newsflash. Not all of his people want all that God has for them. That's the truth. It's a sad truth, but it's the truth. Exodus 19 uh, marks something with the people of God. This is the generation that, that the Lord saved out of Egypt. So they have just left Egypt. Their cries went up to him. He went, sent Moses to go get them. Uh, you know, he, he met Moses on Mount Sinai and says, you go get my people and here's the sign for you that I'm sending you. When you get out of there, you can come back up here and worship me on this mountain. And, and I like what Mike preached last time. The implication is that all of the people can come up to this mountain and worship me here. That'll be your sign. So in Exodus 19, they actually arrived back at that mountain. So I'm sure Moses was really thinking about stuff. Because here he is back again to where God says, you go get them, and here's your sign. You're going to come back to the same mountain. And here he is, back to the same mountain. Verse 1, we'll just start there. Um, In the third month, after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God. And this is the the section that God told me to read over the city of refuge when you go up to Lake City almost two years ago. Read this over y'all. All All right? He was making you an offer. Moses went up to God. The Lord called him uh, from the mountain and said, Thus shall you say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, or to the city of refuge, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. 
and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. And God says, I want you to read that to them and ask them if they will accept that. And I did. And you said yes. You, did, you weren't even thinking about it. And God says, ask him again. So I ask you, ask you again in the same level of understanding. You said, yeah, of course. And he said, ask him again. So I ask you again. And you probably got a little irritated. And I said, yes. And so we said, okay. And here was the offer. You shall be a special treasure to me. That word treasure, special treasure, is the same word that five years previous, we went to Lake City and God had me make up a T-shirt. Tell them that in the day that I make, make up my jewels, they will be my jewels. You're, the word jewels is the same thing as special treasure. God put an offer in front of you five years before that that he wants to make you his jewels. That's in Malachi 3. We have a T-shirt, jewels on there. As a matter of fact, the reason Michael and Jill O'Brien started coming to this church in the first place is they called him uh, and, and uh, asked him to speak to me. And, I, and he said, I have a vision here. I said, what do you see? He says, I see jewels on a black piece of cloth. He just described the T-shirt that we had. Oh, you need to come to Andrews. So anyway, that word, God, for five years, God's been setting you guys up. He wants you to be his jewels. And, and that's a special treasure to the Lord that he's going to use in the last days. Malachi 3 talks about using those jewels in the last day when Jesus comes back. All right? Read it. Malachi 3 and 4. It goes together. So he told me, when we go out to Lake City this last time, read this to them and see if they will agree to do what is required of them. You know, they, there's some requirements for you to do. Will you do it? And you said, yes. Okay. So he's got you. And now you find out what that means. And you will find out what that means even more so as we go forward. Well, you know, God began to do things. He even told me, he said, do you tell them that on the third day I'm going to meet them on the mountain? And I felt kind of crazy, a little silly. You know, Tell them that in three days I'm meeting them on the mountain that's right above Lake San Cristobal. I'm coming down. I thought, boy, this is like rolling the dice. If he doesn't show up, it's going to be a dud. But he did. And we had the sword and the rod, and we did a bunch of stuff together. It was crazy how good that really was. All right. This was God's plan all along. Was these people going from Egypt right into, into, uh, into the promised land? But they kind of blew it. God's plan all along was to take them out of Egypt, bring them to this mountain, and meet with them there. And Mike made the point several times over the last couple of weeks that all along he had invited all of them to come up to the mountain. Did they? Let's just read. Did they? Well, verse 13, it says... Uh, <clears throat> Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned. Well, yeah. Let's go down to verse 12. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he will be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed it. And then they would not go up into the mountain even though they were asked to do so, because they heard the voice. Look over here in chapter 20. You'll see what was going on. Verse 18, all the people witnessed the thunderings. When Moses went up there, all of a sudden everything went off. The mountain began to shake. Fire came down. The trumpet started sounding. And they heard the voice of the Lord beginning to speak. And it freaked them all out. And they weren't even stoned yet. All the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us, and we will hear. But do not let God speak with us, lest we die. 
And my sermons the last couple of weeks was God did speak. Some of them could hear it, Moses. Most of them could say it was thundering. They could not distinguish what God was saying because they didn't want to get close. People, let me just tell you something. We're entering the time that we are now there. God is going to begin to speak. And a lot of people don't want to hear what he's going to say. So they're going to say, it's thundering. And they're not going to move. They just won't change where they are. Even though God has said, you guys come on up here. Now, he made a good point. He had several words that he actually went into the depth of the, of the Hebrew to show that the promise was always there for all of them to come up. But they ended up with one coming up. And they never entered the promised land. How about that one? They never went into the promised land. God's way of doing things was always that they would come up to a mountain, hear him speak, and then go into the promised land. But they couldn't do it because they wouldn't do it. All right, you with me? There's a promise. That doesn't mean it'll be fulfilled. You have to hear what he's saying. Well... They didn't like what they were, the way it was presented to them. As a matter of fact, uh, all the activity blew them away. Look over at Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is actually the second generation. These are the ones that finally did go up. And I think these are the ones that are like a model of you. Many of you are entering into your promised land and you're finding there's trouble there. And it really is hard. So what you hear in Deuteronomy is something that you should take to heart. Moses is now, he has buried the entire first generation, all right? And now it's time for the second generation to do what the first generation would not do. In Deuteronomy 4, he kind of mentions their, their activity there at Mount Sinai. Verse 36, he says this, Out of heaven, back when you was at Sinai, God let you hear his voice that he might instruct you. On earth, he showed you his great fire. And you heard his words out of the midst of that fire. So the fire that came down was also the words and the voice of the Lord speaking to the people. And what did they do? Well, they didn't particularly want to hear what he had to say. Chapter 5, verse 5. I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up to the mountain. All right? So that was Michael Olson's point. The, the invitation was there. But because of the fire and the words they were hearing coming out of that fire and all the action that was around it, they were afraid, and they said to Moses, You speak to us. We don't want to hear God. All right? And they never entered in. All right. Chapter 18 of Deuteronomy. Like I said earlier, now he's speaking to the second generation. And he's telling them what they must do. Verse 18. I mean, verse 15 of chapter 18. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from, the, from your midst, from your brethren. Him shall you hear, according to all that you desire to the Lord your God in Horeb or Sinai, in the day of this assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire any more, lest I die. The Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. All right. So, what Moses is doing is actually prophesying that there is a fulfillment of entering the promised land by another generation who will be led by Jesus. He said, I want to raise up a prophet like me. He's talking about Jesus. You must hear him. If you don't want to listen to him, 
he will require it of you. In other words, you will pay a penalty for not listening to him. These guys didn't want to listen to God, and what happened to them? They died in the wilderness. A second generation comes up, and Moses starts telling them about another prophet coming. Did that prophet show up with this second generation? No. He was prophesying of your time. Now, folks, this is sort of a types and shadows in a way. That second generation is almost like a type and a shadow of you. When we talk about entering the promised land, we're literally talking about the second coming of Jesus. All right? We are now entering into this world in the name of Jesus, taking the kingdoms of this world and making them the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. What they did with this generation that went into the promised land is just to show you a pattern for how it's done. But the real deal is you. You're the generation that is to enter in the spiritual promised land of God and take back what the enemy has taken from God. All right? That's where you are right now. Now, Moses prophesied. There's another prophet coming. He's like Moses. He will have the words of God. You wouldn't listen to God the first time. You better listen to him the second time. Everybody clear? Hebrews 12. Let's go read how he fulfills it. Hebrews 12. Verse 18. This sort of a reviews what we just read in just a few verses. You have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire into blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word would, would not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded. If so much as a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned or shot with an arrow. So terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, through the spirits of just man made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So he says, now, we're not in that time anymore like they did at Sinai. But you are coming to a mountain, Mount Zion, and to Jesus. He is that prophet which Moses was prophesying about. Him you should hear. Look in verse 25. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more Shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven? Do y'all realize that? You know, verse 25 to me is sort of a, a picture of the way it really is. You know, we think that we got a better deal with the new covenant. And we did. But don't think that it's an easier deal. It's not easier. In the old covenant, and men, men really appreciate this. In the old covenant, if you committed adultery, you were going to get stoned. But if you didn't do the deed, you're good. Right? That's the old law. In the new covenant, if you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Now, is that easier or harder? It's much harder. I don't know a man out there that's going to pass that test. Right, guys? And there's chickens out there that will never admit to anything. Every man, that's the one, to me, that's the silver bullet. You think the new covenant's easier? It's harder. And right here, it says it again. Back in the day, when they were at Mass and you know, they could say, don't speak to us. 
and walk away and live out the rest of their life. And they all died in the wilderness. But they lived another 40 years. He says, today, don't resist him who speaks from heaven. I will require it of you. Don't think he won't. Jesus is about to speak some seriously heavy things. You have got to hear it. Amen? The games are over. And people are speaking things that he ain't speaking and people want to hear it. When people with uh, big time preachers stand up and say it's okay to have some homosexual churches, we're in a different world. When they say that it's okay to go to churches like that, they ain't speaking for me and they ain't speaking for God. Amen? Get ready. There's a lot of people listening to that bovine scatology and they're going to get payment for it. He says he'll rub it in their face. He really does say that. Like dung. So he's fixing to get very, very real. Satan is already out there, folks. Trying to jump the gun. One of the things I've learned about Satan, he's pretty dadgum good about trying to counterfeit what God is about to do before God does it. I have seen him do this so many times. It's almost like he can see the train coming of what God is going to do. And he jumps out there before we actually see the reality of what God's doing and tries to present us an artificial version of the same thing. I'll give you an example. How many of you have heard <laughs> about the New Green Deal? The New Green Deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the New Green Deal. What's that chick's name? AOC. I call her a loony too. 29 years old. And you, guess what she's saying? Oh, I'm about to go face. That in 12 years, the world's coming to an end. Really? How does she know? And you know why? Because all you idiots are driving new cars like mine. SUVs. And cows farting. That's what she said. I'm just the reporter, folks. And that's going to bring the world to an end. So we have to get rid of all cars, all airplanes, and all cows. I'm serious. This is the doctrine. Yeah. And guess who's listened to all this bovine statology? The new generation. Who's the cat from El Paso? Beto. The white Hispanic. Aurora. I heard him say the exact same thing yesterday as he announced his running for president. That in 12 years, the world's coming to an end. Is he God? <laughs> exactly. If you ask him, he might say, yeah. Because that's what the Antichrist has got to say. He's got to sit in the place of God, showing to himself that he is God. They believe this stuff. And you know what's really weird about it? They could be right, but the wrong way. Jesus may be coming back in 12 years, but it ain't like they're saying it. It's not because we got rid of the cows. The, oh, by the way, there's others that say the same thing. Have you ever been to Iran? No. Oh, okay. Well, let me just say what they believe. The leader of the country believes that we are living at the very end. It's time for the 12th imam to come forth who will come in because the earth is being destroyed. He will set up Jesus to, to kill all the Christians who won't convert to Islam. And he will set up a caliphate which will rule the entire world in 12 years. 
So can you hear the demonic realm is hearing the message that Jesus is coming back before the, the kingdom of God has re- reached the place of telling the world what Jesus is doing. He really may be coming back. He is preparing his people to come back. But what Satan is trying to do is jump the ship, get the people looking at other stuff, and, and they will start doing things that will make you believe that they have the truth. But what we need to be doing is listening to him who is going to speak from heaven. He's going to shake it. He's going to shake everything. Everything that can be shaken. Including doctrines. Especially doctrines within the church. He's got to shake it. Because we produced these idiots that are out there doing this stuff now, folks. We produced it. Y'all get that? Where did they come from? They came from us. Those were our children out there selling this crap to our children. And they're believing it, folks. How many Christians voted for Beto? How many? How many Christians in Virginia, black Christians, think it's okay for their their governor to stay now that he's repented for being a black, whatever he was, black face guy? Don't don't care about the babies getting crucified after they get born. That don't matter. As long as he will read the book of Roots and tear down a few statues of the Confederacy. Are you kidding me? 58% of the blacks within Virginia say, it's okay. He's okay now. And they never mention infanticide. So we have entire sections of the body of Christ. I guarantee you most of those blacks are Christians. Are voting for people to put in authority and power which hate the things that God loves and loves the things that God hates. That's what's going on around us. And claim to be Christian, I'm telling you, that's it. That is it. I will not let that go by. So when T.D. Jakes gets up there and says it's okay for homosexuals and gay marriage to go into the church because his position has evolved and is evolving, I'm telling you, he ain't speaking for me. And if that guy can't hear the truth of God, something has blinded him. May I suggest his idolatry has... Has done that. It's called racial identity above the things of God. Now I can call out a lot of this right now, and I'm going to start doing it. That's it. That is it. Okay. So he's going to shake it off. Water. <laughs> I need to calm down. <laughs> Calm thee down, Larry. Take a chill pill. Let's keep reading the scripture. That was in verse 25 before I got so rudely interrupted. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, how much more shall we not escape? If we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, once more, I shake not only the earth, but heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, verse 28, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace that we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Get ready for the consuming fire. I, I'll tell you. Consuming fire. It's coming. God's already showed it to me a little bit. It scared the fire out of me. Fire does stuff to other fire. One more thing about the Old Testament, Deuteronomy. Like I said earlier, the second generation of the Old Testament 
Jews who entered in the promised land, the sword generation, are types and shadows for you, for you to do the spiritual things that they did physically. There is something that you need to pick up, a lesson that you need to pick up that God spoke over that generation because it's unto you right now. Deuteronomy chapter 9. Moses, one more time with these guys, says this. Hear, O Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today. So he's giving marching orders for those who seek to enter into this spiritual war that we are entering into now. Go in to dispossess nations greater and mightier than yourself. Cities great and fortified up to heaven. Many of you are facing spiritual issues that are described by that verse. You're facing issues that you have now discovered are bigger than you. They are hard. We thought entering the promised land was going to be like going to Six Flags. You know, neat rides and stuff like that. You might get wet because it's a hot day. Oh, no. It scares the bejibbers out of you, whatever that is. They really are greater than you. If someone doesn't send you a check bill, you're dead where you stand. Bankrupt. Right? Do you control that? Not at all. How's it feel? Scary. Marriages? Relationships? Health? Scary. Real scary. If God doesn't move, I'm dead. That's the way he wants it. And get ready. The thing that you feared, the giant that, that scared the liver out of everybody else, is right in front of you. Verse 2. You go into, the, into this promised land to a people great and tall, the descendants of the Anakim, whom you know and whom, whom you have heard it said, who can stand before the descendants of Anak or the giants? That's the Anakim. Therefore, and here's the part you need to get, understand this. I want you to understand this. Now, God give them the spirit of understanding right now. Understand this, that the Lord your God is he who goes over before you, how? As a consuming fire. He will destroy them and bring them down before you so that you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly as the Lord has said to you. The first generation was afraid of that fire. They did not understand that the fire is not against you. It is for you. It's against the enemies of God. So when these guys saw that fire, the only thing they could see is how what a bad guy I am. They don't understand the sure mercies of David. No, no, no. He took care of all that stuff. Go to him. Charge the hill with him where he is. That fire that you're so afraid of is fixed to consume your enemy. That all, I said all of that to bring me to this place right here. I had a dream. I'm like Martin Luther King. I have dreams. Yeah. You know, the one of the reasons I'm in the ministry is because I have dreams. I had a dream when I was in law school. That I was on a boat, a warship, fighting another ship. And everybody on my boat was lawyers. Guys I was going to law school with. And they sounded the battle cry, man, you're battle stations. And I said, well, who are we fighting? And they said, don't you know, we're fighting our natural enemy. The guy points to this other ship over there, gleaming white. And I knew that was Jesus. And I was on the wrong boat. Fixed to fight the one that I love. And that was one of the major reasons that I believe God when he says, get out. Don't practice law. You're on the wrong boat, boy. So I've had a history of dreams. I can tell you dream after dream that has changed my life. Here's one that changed my life. We were sleeping the other day. Y'all should go to our house and hear us sleep. I finally I found my helpmate. She can snore as bad as I do. I mean, we're harmonizing all the time. Right, babe? Did I bust you? She, she's just got to get used to it. I had a dream. And in this dream, I was 
being consumed by fire. It was crazy. And it made me think of this scripture, Matthew 3. Turn there. Matthew 3. This is a story about John the Baptist. When he enters, you know, he's going to prepare the way for Jesus. And so he's out there going through Israel, and everyone's coming to him to be baptized. <coughs> and verse 6 says, everybody came, were baptized by him in the Jordan, <coughs> confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bring fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now, verse 10, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor, gather his sweet into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. I kept thinking about this scripture in my dream. It was weird. It's like I was in the dream and observing the dream at the same time. Like there was two of me. One was observing me in the fire. And I thought about this scripture. I will say this about what what John the Baptist said about Jesus. He comes to baptize Okay, he comes to baptize. And his baptism isn't like what John the Baptist had. So no, 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 no. He's going to baptize you differently. With the Holy Spirit and fire. And the fire itself is going to be amazing. It's going to be like an axe that's laid to the root of a tree. The work of God is going to be like an axe laid to the very root of your life to discover what type of fruit are you producing are you like T.D. Jakes? Are you like ACO or LMOP? <laughs> Are you like Jesus? The root is going to be exposed. What the fruit is is going to be seen. And the fire itself is going to destroy what's not from God. The chaff will burn up. The real deal will remain. Okay? Now, just keep reading here. Verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Because he saw what Jesus was going to do. And you're coming to me. But Jesus answered, this is an interesting verse, said to him, Permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So baptism is a fulfilling of righteousness. Then he allowed him. And when he has been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Behold, the heavens were open, And he saw the Spirit of God just sitting like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus got baptized. All right. Look with me over in Luke chapter 12. That is the beginning of his ministry. Three years later, two and a half years later, Luke chapter 12. I want to set the time for this. This is in the winter before Palm Sunday. In other words, we'll say it's January, February before Palm Sunday and Easter. The last three months of his life. Four months. So some time has passed, right? Since he got baptized with John, 
It's been two or three, two or three years now. Luke 12, verse 49. Jesus speaking. He says, I came to send fire on the earth. That's what John said he would do. Fire. And how I wish it were already kindled. So it has not yet been kindled. Am I right? Who's, who's the English person? Mike, is that right? It's a person, you know, that's futuristic tense. I'm waiting for the fire to be kindled. Verse 50, same kind of tense of the verb. But I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how distressed I am until it's accomplished. In other words, there was another baptism that Jesus was referring to, not John the Baptist's. Everybody with me? So he said, I'm... I'm headed into Jerusalem. Not there yet. There's a baptism out there. Fire to be kindled. I wish it was already done, but it's not yet done. So there is another baptism here. Verse 51. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all. But rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided. Three against two, two against three. Father will be divided against son, son against father. Mother against daughter, daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. So here's what I'm seeing here. Jesus is prophesying of the coming apostasy. It's a weird deal, people. Because he prayed, John 17, that we would all be one. All of us. The body of Christ should be one. That's his prayer. And he gives us even pictures on how to do that. It's called marriage. Husband and wife should come together, and the two should become one. It's a type of Christ in his church. Everybody knows these scriptures. Okay? So isn't it interesting that the same one who's praying Father that we should all be one is also saying there will be three in the house. Two is going to be separated from the third, the three. Mothers against fathers and so forth and so on. There is, in the book of Thessalonians, it says, the revealing of the, of the Antichrist won't happen until their first is a great falling away. Apostasy. You can't fall from something you didn't once have. So there's a lot of people within the world of Christianity that are going to listen to this bovine scatology that's being pumped out there. They're going to listen to it, believe it. They like it better than the real truth. So God's going to deceive them and let them buy that stupid thing, and they're going to be deceived and be damned. Did y'all hear that? There is an apostasy coming, and may I say, it's already begun. We are at the threshold, or at the, you know, I think it's already started, of the great apostasy it's sad so you got two works at the same time out of the same same mouth of Jesus I want them to be one but take out the ones who won't be one amen just like Moses invited everybody to the mountain but they wouldn't come up because they didn't want to hear what was being said y'all with me there's a remnant people that are going to hear what God is saying at the end. A remnant. They will hear him. But they're not going to be the most popular people on earth. They're not. Because they're not going to be parading out the, the doctrine of devils. Which we're starting to hear more and more of. It's happening. It's already started. But God offered you a good deal. That you would be his jewels in a time like this. Special treasure to him. But you've got to walk in his covenant. Amen? Alright, so Jesus was talking about a different baptism than what he had experienced. So are you. Look at Matthew chapter 20. Matthew 20.
Verse 22. Now, before we read this, this is like the day or the week before the last week of Jesus. So we had what happened in Luke. He said, I have a baptism. Then I got to get baptized. I wish it was already done. And there's fire. I wish it was already started. Two or three months later. Look at your neighbor. Say, three months later? It's three months later. He's walking into Jerusalem. And here's what he's saying. Something just happened. Verse 22. He's referring to... Uh, the mother of James and John who want him special treatment for her sons. And he says, verse 22, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? In other words, I ain't drank the cup yet. The cross is still ahead of me. And to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. What happened? Back in Luke, he's saying, I have a baptism to be baptized with. Man, I wish it was done. Three months later, he's saying, can you be baptized with what I just went through? Something happened. We're not going to talk about that, what happened today. We will next week. Something happened. They said, I love this. This is City of Refuge talk. Sure. All the bobbleheads. Bring it on. What could go wrong? <laughs> okay. I love y'all. I really do. You know, you're God's special treasure. All right. <laughs> you're special. Yeah, yeah, we're able. And look at verse 23. So he said to them, okay, you will. You will indeed drink my cup. And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give. It's for those prepared by my Father. Now, they did drink that cup. They, they, they died. And evidently, they got baptized too. And that fire was around. Because Jesus is talking about the same baptism that John the Baptist said he would come with. The baptism that I am baptized with, Jesus had to go through the same things that you went through or you're going through. And he will baptize you with the same baptism that he went through. Not John's. That was an easy one. A lot of you have been dunked up here. We're not talking about that baptism. We're talking about the baptism with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now let me talk to you about my dream. Woo! I felt consumed. And in the dream, I'm watching myself get consumed with this fire. And I'm thinking about that. What we just went through, going, God, this is amazing. And not in a good way. I knew it wasn't the devil. Or I've been rebuking. I knew it was God. And it was not pleasant. I mean, how many of you like to be burned? And it was not burning just a little. It was burning everything completely. He is a consuming fire. Man, it was something. And I woke up. And I go, I started to wake her up. I thought, oh, I, I, I don't know how to share this. All I know is I don't want to go back to sleep. Because I don't want any more of that. I just prayed, oh my God. Folks, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit since I was 31. It was my birthday gift one year. God gave it to me. I speak in tongues. I do all the gifts of the Spirit stuff. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. Something, you know, at least 10 years. 31 to 41. <laughs> but that fire, oh my God, that's a different animal. That's different. Are you able to be baptized with a baptism that he is baptized with? 
I think the answer is already you. I think when you sit on a mountain up in Lake City, yeah, we can do it. Get ready. It's, it's coming. Now, the interesting thing, other than that, that was to scare the fire out of me. We got up the next morning and drove to Austin. And many of you already heard the story. I want you to just forget everything you've heard. Fire. Whew, what that mean? So we're driving, and my wife has not driven my new car yet. And it's a beautiful car. Brand new. And so I'm letting her drive. And you know what? She's just liking it way too much. And she says, after driving for a couple hours, well, we're getting closer to the hill country now. She says, I like this. I think I'll take this next week to Dallas. And pardon me, I, I said, hell no, you're not. I just quoted myself, you know. I wasn't in church. <laughs> so, I mean, we boom out there. And most husbands understand what I'm about to say. I was trying to go get those words before they hit her ear. And she said... Something along that line. <laughs> what exactly were your words? It wasn't the words themselves. It was the tone. You know, I got the message. Let's just put that away. And it was also impromptu. Straight out of the heart immediately. And she started driving faster. On the hill country. And when we are ripping around these corners, I am freaking out. And I knew you were going to say it, Betty. So anyway, I'm thinking, oh, my God. Uh, but what really got me is I thought, where did that come from? Because it came out of my heart immediately. And God spoke to me. I mean, it was like a... Uh, down like 5G, the whole thing. These are two unredeemed issues colliding. Mine and hers. And they have to be redeemed. Because, I mean, and I even told her later, look, uh, the reason, I, I'm just, I just had this dream of fire. And what did John say was going to happen when he comes with that fire? Axe to the root of the tree. And whatever's there is there. And whatever fruit is bringing forth is there. There it is. Time to deal. If it's of God, it'll stand the fire. If not, get ready. And get ready to feel like I felt that dream. Like, good God Almighty, how do you get out of this? And God showed me my life, like three or four or five instances in a row from the time I was a, like a three-year-old boy. Several of the times where I got a, a, like a toy for Christmas and immediately my brother or my cousin or whoever would come and they broke them. A little red tractor. A red bicycle. And on and on it went. A, a car, for God's sake. That nothing that I ever got, brand new, was safe from those that I loved. They would break it immediately, and I was just left with that. I mean, that sounds silly, doesn't it? I had never even thought about it. But what I saw, that was the devil starting early, destroying something that I was called to be. I was called to be a generous giver. But when you're afraid that someone's going to take what you even haven't enjoyed yet before you even have a chance to give it, he is taking your calling from you.
Y'all get that? Something I was called to do and to be was being beat on before I even was aware of it. And that one moment where she said, oh, I'd like to take this girl. I said, yeah. So you can return it like all these others. And her thought was, uh-huh, uh-huh. You're like every man I've ever had in my life who values his toys above me. And that's the truth. That's the truth. And she was as spontaneous with her reaction as I was with mine. I wonder if that would have anything to do with the call of her life. Isn't a wife supposed to submit to her husband in every way? And respect him? And love him? But not when he's going to act that way towards her, right? So the bruise of Satan has been entered into our lives. That wasn't our fault. But our response to it is the fruit that the axe is going after. And the fire will burn up. Y'all get that? Because from that point forward, I said, yeah, ain't nobody touching my stuff. Here's how I did it. I wouldn't buy anything new anymore. If I bought somebody something new, it was like Phyllis. She got the new car. It was red. What happened to it? He had a parked car. <laughs> it really wasn't her fault. Stoned out of her gills. I mean, what could go wrong? But you get the point? The very thing that you're called to do and to be, Satan has been hammering it. Here comes the fire. Because those are things that he wants to redeem in you and make it the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Amen? Are they with me? So I began to ask, oh, God, what do I do? They did the same thing with John the Baptist when they came to his baptism. Well, what can we do? What do we do? He said to the soldiers, don't take more than what you've been paid. I mean, don't ask for more money than what you're getting paid. And so this guy, you do this and don't ask for more. And whatever it is that you do, don't do more. Don't rob people to feel a need that you have. Quit doing that. Quit doing that. How many times are you guys going to fail over the same rock? How many times are you going to flunk another relationship test? How many times? Before you realize something is ruling your life. See, I thought I was in control. Oh, no, 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 no. When I don't obey God, that guy's in control. I think I'm running the show. Uh Uh-uh. He bruises you, then he tells you how to act. To make sure that it never gets done again. I wonder how many women don't submit to their husbands because every man they've ever known has valued his toys more than they do his wife. I just wonder how many. What do we do? Well, God's been working on me for quite a while. I mean, before this ever happened, he was already working with me. Son, I want to set you free from chintziness. Ah, I'm going to get a different word. And I'm, I'm not, I'm, I want to tell you this, but I've been doing this privately. And most of these things I'm telling you to do, it is private. When I go somewhere now, I tip more. I try to find areas where I don't have to just do the, the 15%. Let's do more. Well, I'm thinking 15 is enough, right? Isn't that what the law says? Oh, funny you should bring up the law. Do you want to be free, really free? Do you want to walk in the sure mercies of David? Then walk free. Not just in being forgiven, but in doing good. How about that? Do you like to be generous? 
Start being generous. Here's how I started working on my issues with, uh, you know, painting within the lines. I hate that subject. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I try to obey the speed limit. I've been doing better. The stop signs, you know, that's been the, the secret, the secret place of the most high. I hardly ever stop. Why stop? Else. You can see both ways. What's the point? If a tree falls in the forest, there's no one there to see. I mean, did it really fall? But I, you know what? What must I do? So I told God, okay, I'm going to start stopping. Would you show up? I'll meet you at the stop sign. Ask God, meet me at the stop sign. You know what happens? He meets you at the stop sign. I have amazing fellowship at stop signs these days. My reward has shown up. Now, I'm just asking you to obey. Obey. Where you have not obeyed. I know husbands are blockheads. That's how we were born. Especially those who deny it. It takes a while for a guy to get over himself. This is the truth. Men are selfish. Because their mother is made them that way. <laughs> what must you do? Can we, can we just stop there? I'm going to stop there. i got more to bring to this t- issue next week. It's good stuff. There is, I think God wants to unleash some power to help you. But here's where it starts. Bring forth some fruits that show real repentance for the first baptism. Okay? What must you do? I started beating at the stop sign before I ever had the dream of the fire. And then it pops the goodies. The roots. The roots. The giant. How about that? The thing you were afraid of. Here it is. Y'all just stand there, if you would, just bow your heads. Bow your heads. Lord, if there's anybody out there that needs help in this area, God, I'm praying for them. I am asking you, God, just between you and that person, show them today is the day of salvation today because you have come and you have moved into an area that we have blocked off but you are the God of circumstances and you send out your sword and you cut like the word says you will between the soul and the spirit and you discern What is going on here? What has gone on here? God, I thank you. You don't come to condemn us. You come to set us free. You've come to set us free. I pray for all of us. We've all failed in areas. And we have have a legacy of it, Lord. That's the truth. I know you didn't come to condemn them and remind them of all the husbands that this woman had or all the affairs this guy's done. You've come to give them the Holy Spirit. Just like the woman at the well. I'll give you the Holy Spirit. Father, would you show them this is about love. This is about love. And then give them a moment with you. Just them and you. They don't have to share it with anybody. 
If they want, that's fine. But ultimately, this is between me and you. Would you begin to move? Join our hearts. Even places where we have not even gone ourselves in a long, long time. And touch these guys with tenderness and truth and not fear, but deliverance. And begin to show us your way again in this area. And Lord, I know this is not like the biggest thing. This is like a refining in a way. It's so that we can be your instruments, your witnesses in a world that doesn't want to hear you. Oh God, let us not be those people now. You're speaking from heaven. Let us hear you. Don't let us say, oh, I thought I heard something else. No, no, no. Let us hear exactly what you're saying. Precisely the point. Open our ears. We will not close them to you. We open our hearts. We will not close them off. Give us the understanding that you said we should have. And heal us. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, starting Wednesday is back to the regular stuff. Hug on those kids on the way out.